Welcome to Dress Shoes You Can Fight In. This is a podcast named after a business idea that I had that uh, was aiming at a market that includes me and my two younger brothers. And sometimes it includes you, right, Vinny? That's right. And hi, I'm Vinny. (laughs) All right. This is a podcast where we are going to uh, talk about economics here and there. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, sensual issues, things that make people uncomfortable in close quarters. And we're going to talk about the drug war. Ooh, that sounds tantalizing. Yeah, right? Sex, drugs, and economics. Well, where where do we begin? Let's begin uh, with the fact, like, what you been up to, Vinny? How was your week? Oh, it was great. You know, just hanging out here in L.A., looking up at the gray skies day after day after day for the last week here. Yeah, it's been a shitty week in L.A. Uh, we're coming to you live from about two blocks away from Skid Row. That's right. Where these miserable, uh, heavy-hogged bums yes. have uh, fucking had a day of sunlight yeah, for about a week. They don't deserve it. They've been living high on the hog for years, and that hog cost them. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we're uh yeah, th- this was a shitty week all around. This was a pretty terrible uh way to do LA, right? Yeah. I actually was driving around today and I was like when it started to rain for a little bit and I was like, no lie, I have not seen the sun for four days. And I was like, that's kinda creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kinda creepy for living in LA. I was like, I don't I don't even really remember a time. It's just this whole Year has started, you know, it's been a... Yeah, it's fucking whack. Yeah. And that's why I'm about to get on a plane. I'm going to South America. I'm going to go to... Ooh. I'm going to Lima, and I'm going to Medellin. Medellin. I'm going to uh, Cartagena. Cartagena? Is that where Fat Joe's from? That's where he named himself. After. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's lovely. So, yeah, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to see some great, uh, great food and... You know, hear some great stories from some old gentlemen. Yeah, that's pretty much the aim of the trip. Great. We're going to go learn from that. <laughs> learn from the older generations. Excellent. No, nah, that's, you know, it would be fantastic if this podcast had, had, you know, a little bit of momentum going and I could just clue you guys in to the fact that I'm going to South America because there's a lot of poignant shit that I could bring back and I'm going to aim to do that. So what we're going to do here, like the next couple weeks and months is just kind of knock one of these out every week until we get to, uh, you know, something that's something that we feel like we should start promoting. And, uh, we're going to go, you know, I'm going to be down there for the next two weeks and I'm going to be talking to Venezuelan on top of Venezuelan. And I'm going to be asking them all the same set of fucking questions. Yeah, which is, you know, which is the same shit I did last time I was there. And same shit. I mean, I've been bumping into quite a, quite a heavy number of Venezuelans over the last five years or so. And, uh, you know, every time I give them the little Maduro quiz and, you know, just try to, try to fill in, so, you know, so, some some little piece of my paint by numbers about South America and how, how these different experiments work. Uh, me and Vinny were in, uh, or Vinny and I, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. proper Pete. Yeah. We were in, uh, we were in Peru for the election, uh, w- where Pepe Cal was elected. Right. 
And now he's like arrested or something, right? Yeah, he's arrested. Uh, his competition, uh, Fujimori, is arrested, oh. and the the very pathetic runner-up, Alon uh, Alon Garcia, in that election, uh, just shot himself in the fucking head. <laughs> That's so crazy. Remember when we were out there, we were seeing that graffiti like everywhere you go, like once you leave like Lima to all the little beach cities, just like bam, 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 just Alon, yeah. just like. Fucking rollers and all this crazy shit. I'm like, yeah. damn, that's yeah. And I, but and, then this guy also ruined the country's economy multiple times. Like if you read about, it, I mean, you don't have to read that deeply into it. You're like, jeez. Yeah, no. The, and so the great thing about that is that yeah, Alon Garcia was kind of the the Salvatore Allende of uh, Peru, uh, kind of you know, and the same phenomenon that we're seeing in uh venezuela right now was, was with he hyperinflation a, he he oversaw he a, hyperinflation in the 80s was he a marxist alan garcia was more along the lines of democratic socialists mm. but yeah yeah like you know i mean i i i need i would need to dig into his mind a little bit more mm-hmm. But he was definitely in a, coming out of a, a era in south american politics where marxism was you know, I mean, your position, if you're a democratic socialist or anybody in that world, is either that you are, a, a, you know, a hardcore, a hardcore uh, Soviet-style Marxist or you, you know, kind of like Trotskyist pushing for a democratic, you know, strategy to arrive at the same conclusion. Which gets us into exactly what the fuck yeah. maybe we'll talk about here. The uh, Kind of the idea with this whole podcast is that uh, me and Vinny both been researching and thinking about things that are uh, heterodox in the community that we come from. And, uh, you know, it, as in the last five years or so, the U.S. has become real political, uh, gross disgustingly political and it's reached a point where if you've been thinking about these kind of things for a decade or more and uh you have you know you have serious opinions about about like kind of the theoretical questions behind behind all this uh you're gonna end up on one one side of the war or the other even if you're, even if the shit you're talking about is is has nothing to do with either side, which is where I'm coming from. I think I think where Vinny's coming from too, right? Yeah. I mean, I, who the fuck you? You know, I root, I root for uh, Trump to hurt people's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not rooting for anything that he's doing. Pretty much. Oh yeah. I mean, it's 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 all a joke, right? But yeah, no. This, I mean, like. You know, one thing I want to go over the podcast, like this is like real, the stuff that's going to be coming out here, this is like real pertinent information that you've brought to my attention that, you know, got me excited and want, because it, it is really like, like, it's so almost like blatantly right there in front of your face, but it's woven in a way that makes people think that it's more complicated than it is. I mean, there, yeah. there, there are definitely levels to the thing, but at a basic level, these ideas that we are talking about affect every single person in the entire world. Yeah, and yeah. like, and if more people were open to 
learning about these ideas, we could fix a lot more problems than just like a recession or something. Well, hell yeah. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to argue too, is that this, this stuff is all applicable to your day-to-day life and the basic choices you make. And like the attitude that you have when you wake up, Mm -hmm. if you view the world, uh, Kind of from the from the perspective that I, I set I set out I set out a, a, a basic framework here. If you if you view the world uh, from the assumption economically that resources are scarce and finite and they're taken from the ground, or you know that basically the sum of the sum of the your chances in the world and and the things that you're going to consume in the world. That those are all like basically natural resources mm-hmm. and that they're, uh, you know, dug up out of the ground and divvied up. Uh, then, you know, distribution is the only thing that you're worried about. And whoever has the power to distribute goods is, uh, you know, if you if you're not in if you're not, if you don't if you're not swimming in goods, then you're getting screwed over. And then every day when you wake up you have a pretty good reason to fucking hate everybody around you because they're competing with you for goods. And, uh, you know, that, I, I, that total absolute ignorance of any economic principles is, uh, affects a lot of people and, and makes a lot of people look at the choices that they make when they're chasing money and the choices that they make, uh, as far as as you know setting up their whole trajectory of their life they're it's much more antagonistic than it has to be and their relationship to you know power structures or whatever is is it's the wrong kind of antagonism it's not effective because you because you look you're looking at it like this motherfucker's going to hand you something right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm going to get to why i don't think this motherfucker's capable of handing you something okay there's a second there's a second way of looking at the world, which is kind of intermediate, which is more interesting, which is, I we got to give them some backstory. So we, we used to have a communist rap group <laughs> and we used to distribute socialists, propaganda, do book list, video list, website list. Exactly. And we'd do the marches and get on stage with the marches and, oh, and do it all. Yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of the thing. And a lot of I think it's kind of this was what, 15 years ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Two, 15 years ago. About, what anyway. is it like 2000 to right now? It's 2019. Yeah, it's about 13 years ago. Yeah, about 13 like years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. No, like. Yeah. <laughs> That was a rabbit hole, yeah. to say the least. I think that's pretty valuable for people to look at right now because the kind of socialism that we were into uh, was heavily like identitarian. A lot of it had, you know, a lot of the bells and whistles of uh, what you see on kind of in kind of mainstream culture right now uh, with all these people, you know. Oh yeah, no. We 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 what like what's going on right right now in the world? You know, as far as that goes, like like we've already been through that. Like we know what happens yeah. on the other side of that. It's yeah, like that, that's what makes. I, I would like to think that we were we were a slightly cooler, like more street, oh authentic no. version. Of, no, definitely. Of the no, definitely. Horseshit. Yeah, but we because were, we because I mean, we called their make bullshit. No, make no mistake, we were fucking terrible. 
But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, but, I'm, I'm saying I would like to think that it, there was a, it, it was a little more authentic. No, because we we were out there pumping that shit when it wasn't like a fad or like cool or had all this piling on. It was like when it was like when we went to the police march. And it was no one there. Not yeah. even the people that sent us the fucking, what was it, like the, the revolutionary communist, whatever, the one that brought yeah. the idea. And then we the just revolutionary went. Co- Bob Avakian's revolutionary yeah. communist party. And we went there. We're like kids. like, And there's just mad police cops, you know, police officers and shit. And like, we're just yelling at them, like doing all the shit that they do now. No one was doing that shit. Everyone was quiet at that time. Like, oh, I mean, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah. And so that that's why, that's what I think to. To continue this to the second way of viewing economic reality and also to to kind of relate to everybody who's watching the culture wars go on right now. We were kind of in a place where we're reading Black Panthers, Che Guevara. We had what I consider to be totally, uh, you know, legitimate problems with the United States. Uh, especially at the beginning of the Iraq war. And, you know, if you, if you weren't pissed off at the beginning of the Iraq war, it's probably cause you're dumb as a fucking rock, dude. But, you know, we're thinking, uh, yeah, all our friends are going to jail, drug war. Uh, we're, we're thinking these motherfuckers are starting to spy on everybody. And oh, yeah. now that's oh, all yeah. pretty damn clear. We were thinking uh, this prison industrial complex has reached insane levels and it's, you know, it's pretty much a uh, internment camps, concentration camps of, you know, different groups of undesirables in in the population. And uh, it's all, you know, supporting global imperialism. It's supporting uh, these guys running around and knocking over uh, small country after small country. Uh, to support some kind of new concept of a of an empire or it, yeah like a wilsonian concept of an empire is a very sick shit that we're responding to so I, I you know to have a little bit of sympathy for for these kids wearing camouflage clothes and uh talking about <laughs> che Guevara <laughs> and lugging around a suitcase with like 50 pounds of books in it or some, yeah. <laughs> some crazy shit like that exactly <laughs> being pretty fucking funny but yeah so that and and that that gets to the second concept which is i think none of us even really got to uh during that period and i think that most socialists don't really get to is to have any understanding of Marx's view of economic reality. Well, yeah. I mean, how, how does, how does he define capitalism? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. Does- and, that, okay, and that's a, a major point is that, so everybody is debating what capital, you know, capitalism is clearly evil. Capitalism is the cause of this. We have to recognize that Marx defines capitalism in, he wasn't the first person to use the term, but he, defines it for all of the purposes necessary for any conversation. He popularized it. He turned it into, he gave it all the meaning that it has now. So it's a Marxist term. And it's a term used to describe a point in human history that Marx, Karl Marx, if anybody doesn't doesn't know who (laughs) we we just skipped to Marx, uh, a, a point in human history that he views as the, the highest, the highest point, the highest level of uh, the highest level of freedom and, and, you know, productivity, 
other than other than maybe the tribal organization, right? The original communist organization, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the which is they're correct. They're, cor- <laughs> they're, they're correct in 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 viewing to a certain extent tribal organization as communist organization. Wait, wait, oh, really? Like, 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 as far as like ancient times, like, 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 what, what, like, what do you mean by that? Elaborate a little bit more about like. Because if you're in a small group of people and you, like Hans Hermann Hoppe calls this the, the parasitic mode of production, mm-hmm. where if you, if you're not capable of producing more than you're presented with by the world, then you inevitably are going to face scarcity that as your population grows, you're in danger. And the only way that you can ensure your survival is through communist means, like through, through redistribution in a tribal setting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's in that, in that mode of production where, Humanity hasn't figured out the division of labor, hasn't figured out how to be more productive than nature itself. Uh, In that mode, survival depends on basically communist redistribution to to literally feed the elderly with the one or two animals that you took down and the, you know, the berries and nuts that you gathered over the over the week mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you you can't no no there is no concept of a nuclear family that could pull that off in that organization of people you know it's a it's a necessity for survival at that point and this is you know marxism is kind of a it's a utopian view that you can attain some of the things that are seen as benefits in that organization of people uh in a complicated, complex, industrialized world, right? Mm-hmm. So post, post, a lot of it is to say, a Marxist will say, look at, look at the alienation from labor that the worker has in a factory. The, the job of creating this uh, truck or whatever this, this yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like, like what like what is an example of him being alienated from the labor i mean he's, so, he's a worker so yeah, meaning like, like if if everybody's working together to make a, a boeing 747 mm-hmm. the the only the amount of expertise that any one person can really have is probably especially people that he would consider the proletariat like the the uh people who sell their labor for wages their expertise is going to pertain to a single piece of that plane, like a corner of the wing, you know, and they're going to go in and, and rope procedure, reproduce that. And this is, you know, this is a factory production model of economics that mm-hmm. re- doesn't even really apply to most of what's happening in our service economy right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's. But that's, that's it applies very- to people who work at Boeing and it applies, you know, somewhat. I mean. They, 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 have, they have different ways of alleviating what he calls alienation. But he takes a, he takes a concept, which is uh, George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel's 
Uh, Whoa, what? <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> what the fuck was that? It's fucking Ross Prague, bro. <laughs> no, it's Hegel. Hegel, the philosopher. It's his concept of alienation, which is he applies to like, you know, human consciousness and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the collective spirit and all, all, sort of, all, all, all other elements of the dialectical, you know, historical process and Marx applies it to what he calls, you know, he, he creates an idea called dialectical materialism, which is taking those same concepts and, and viewing the history of the world as, as motivated by economic reality and motivated by material conditions. (laughs) So where you're saying the worker is alienated from their labor by the division of labor and the division of labor it is in this factory model is, is like the that's the clearest way that you'll see it right yeah you you look at you look at okay i'm making only the nails that go only into the train track all i do all day is i cut the nail i cut the bottom half of the nail mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and it's more efficient to cut the to have one guy cut the bottom half of the nail and therefore that's the way production is manage mm. what he's saying is that this work alienates the worker from the product that they're creating yeah because they're they all they see is that that half a nail or whatever you're saying putting it in yeah. like they never yeah so they're doing they're doing mindless uh m- mindless work and, and which we have we have a good amount of right right now i mean not mindless but i mean technically with how technology is progressing it's getting to the point where it's, it's kind of mindless yeah so in that second in that second concept of uh, of economic reality, there is the alienation from labor as a result of the division of labor. It's a it's a good it's a it's a it, it, it's a hope a utopian like aim that you could return to that you could eliminate this alienation by returning to some of the cultural relationships that existed in maybe the tribal organization of society, but you recognize this complex process by which human beings are creating abundance. And that's really important. As far as Marx, Marx defines capitalism. Marx says beautiful things about capitalism and most people who think that they're socialists are totally unaware of that. Or, you know, maybe they heard it, but mm-hmm. it's not driving the way they think. So Marx, Marx calls this shit scientific socialism, saying rather than, uh, rather than viewing ourselves as central planners who are going to uh, decide exactly what happens and we, we have the best idea, he says, no, this is all just literally, it's a scientific process. And it's going to play out the way it plays out, and so it's going to go from it's going to go from feudal it's going to go from ancient organization of uh, the tribes. And, is that, well, the, he calls the ancient the ancient mode of production slavery. Mo- oh, okay, wow. So, like, uh, the ancient mode is is that? Oh, yeah, like the king, and the king makes everyone else just do do the shit or whatever. Yeah, like, and literally, people own slaves, and yeah, that's how yeah, you produce shit, yeah, right? Yeah. You. you Get a bunch of slaves, have them work your land, and yeah. the land produces, right? Like agriculture is like generally 
one of the more productive things, one of the more respected things in society and, and, you know, like Roman society. I mean, was that kind of one of the first like real economies developed was was agriculture or I mean? Well, agriculture is the basis of of this kind of division of labor Mm. that we're talking about, like agrarian, agrarian revolution. And then we're talking about people performing uh, specific tasks in, in relation to agriculture that make production of food more efficient than it would be if one person yeah uh, just did his hunting and hunting did, and gathering whole bit or, yeah, or even or, or, or even or tried if, to do or even yeah. if they tried to farm by themselves farm right themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then so and, the, and yeah you end up with the concept of like comparative advantage then you somebody is better suited in whatever Stronger, place or smarter better place or better. maybe their house maybe the house that they live on has better soil mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it is someone's suited better suited in one in one area than another and people end up realizing that that we're going to be more productive uh by exchanging goods and creating kind of a marketplace so marx doesn't marx doesn't really uh argue against that he what he argues for is is pushing that system that 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 the historical process will push that system to its to its height, which will be superabundance, and that in the course of that there will also be you know vast inequality, and that that inequality will that also simultaneously throughout history, class consciousness is is constantly you know, is a constant. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's always the war between classes that's engaging in the dialectic and shaping human history. So he's saying, yeah, no, it's a, it's only a matter of time. This, this class, the bourgeoisie emerges from, uh, to subjugate their feudal lords. I, I got a quote right here where he says, what he says, uh, this is a this is a quote from uh, Terry Eagleton in the Chronicle of Higher Education. So he's like, it's 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 in his words, but I think it's supposed to be a direct quote. It says no 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 other social system in history had proved so revolutionary. In a mere handful of centuries, the capitalist middle classes had erased almost every trace of their feudal foes from the face of the earth. They had piled up the cultural and material treasures, invented human rights, emancipated slaves, toppled autocrats, dismantled empires, fought and died for human freedom, and laid the basis for a truly global civilization. So that's... Wow. And that's... It, it, serious Marxists who are actually more, more fun to talk to than uh, any Democrat or Republican uh, in, in this country... Mm. That's kind. Of, they acknowledge that to to a certain extent. So that's what I think we were missing. So, so are you saying part part of part of him is actually like you can agree with some some of his ideas and thoughts? Yeah. Interesting, man. Yeah, no, because he's actually playing because he's playing at a higher level than uh, than most of the, than most of the people who who fuck with his ideas, which is true mm-hmm. true with everybody who has ideas, right? Yeah. But, so. His, his yeah his real his real position is that there's a there's a, his, a a part of the historical process that comes afterwards which is which is a higher level 
as far as as far as human value which is w- where the where the proletariat the working people who who prostitute their labor for wages to the bourgeoisie who's the new middle class that just emerged after subjugating the feudal lords right mm-hmm. that they will reach that they will attain power through their numbers right and then the world that they will create will be better for a you know a larger number of people and uh it, and then you'll go through stages of socialist mode of production to raw communism to you know uh true communism which is a stateless moneyless classless society where uh, people voluntarily engage in you know uh, okay that's i mean that's good <laughs> Getting a little ahead of yourself. That's crazy. Just like that, how you describe it, like, like when people like play around, you know, with that just whole idea of communism. It's like that's true communism right there. Like if you hear just in that plain black and white word, you're like, Jesus Christ, man, fuck is that? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, shit. I, it, on its face, that sounds good, and it's really. Well, I don't know, man. To me, it sounds like a fucking robot, fucking world or something. Well, that, yeah, shit. maybe because you're attaching. Some things to it, but it, like, <laughs> look, a, a, a money list sounds terrible to me, right? Because I have an opinion about money. money. Classless, I don't care about class. Like, I'm cool with classes disintegrating. I'm, I don't give a fuck about class stratification and like whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> hey, dude, we gotta keep our fucking. <laughs> we'll keep the fucking Heel to the neck. Heel to the neck. It's gonna be pretty blue collar over here in this yeah. house. Every every time it's hey. gonna cold beer. Hey. You call that phone and hangs up, you remember that. <laughs> this phone only does two things. Calls dominoes and hangs up. <laughs> Classic. Nah, but I have no problem with all of that. It's all predicated on the idea that uh we're gonna reach super abundance. Yeah. And that even another crazy basic element and Marx really sees himself as an economist. Another crazy element of of it is, is that he thinks that in the socialist mode of production for all sorts of reasons, things are going to be more efficient. Yeah. I mean like how, how, when you went with that Boeing description, I mean like, I could see why he would think that. I mean, it definitely for like I could see from a from like a computer nerd's perspective how that would kind of make sense because it is like you know like like separating the separating those tasks out and how 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 the laborer is interacting with the labor itself. It does kind of make sense. Well, well. So what he's saying is that <laughs> what he's saying is that if you get rid of that. Uh, that intense division of labor and you mm-hmm. go back to kind of if the proletariat gains control of the means of production, meaning like capital goods, meaning uh, facilities where things are produced mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and machinery and mm-hmm. blah, 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 that because of class consciousness, they would take into account that alienation and they would stop uh some of the some of this some of this rote uh programmed robotic shit. And so he has a famous quote which is uh let's see which the Russians ended up completely abandoning uh because because it was not happening for them at all. <laughs> when they were do, when the Bolsheviks took over and the, and they really 
tried to implement a lot of this stuff, they found that this was one of the harder things to stick to. But he says, in communist society where nobody has one exclusive sphere of activity, but each can become accomplished in any branch he wishes. Society regulates the general production and thus makes it possible for me to do one thing in the morning or one thing today and another tomorrow to hunt in the morning, fish in the afternoon, rear cattle in the evening, criticize after dinner, just as I have a mind without ever becoming hunter, fisherman, herdsman or critic. And uh, that's, you know, there's people take that a bunch of different ways. What way do you take it? I take it as I take it as uh, it's a utopian vision of communist society where, I, in the universal prostitution of labor and pro, universal prostitution of women and universal prostitution of everything that Marx is all about, that people will reach this more enlightened state where it's possible for someone to be operate a machine for an hour and then be a good hunter and then also uh, come home and write, uh, you know, a, a decent essay and uh, that society can function that way. It's all, it's all well and good. <laughs> I mean, it's literally what I try to do sometimes, you know, like I fucking... Yeah, you're over there racing the cars, you're sailing the boats, you're yeah. flying the planes. Yeah, go down there, go fucking eat some barrels of quinoa dry, bring them back home, United States, in my tummy. Oh, look a surprise. Yeah, I like that. That's a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah, you, got, you got that past those assholes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, he left out that part of the economy. But uh, yeah, no... It, it's all predicated on the idea that you're going to have super abundance through capitalism and that eventually even more efficient economic production through social, socialist mode of production in which the worker is going to feel so gratified, happy to be working in the way that he's working that he's going to be that much more productive. But how how was that less like like how they how you were saying like he was actually trying to take away like the com- like the computer feel to it or whatever, you know, like the the regiment. But it, that that still kind of sounds like I mean, like well, in a poetic way. But it still well, sounds and, like and this doing is like and this is this is exactly months. a perfect time to get to the third concept of of production, mm-hmm. third concept of ec- economic reality, and why Marx is off, and he's off because he views value as derived from socially necessary labor time input oh yeah yeah. and this that's like that's like a thing i'm kind of dealing with right now (laughs) you know talk about well Well, i mean mean? just like you know like because i I drive a uber part-time sometimes you know and like like that's that you know there's a you know you see the strikes you see people up in arms you know some people you know value that that labor they're producing by being a driver as need to be worth this and the people who are the consumers value at it at something completely different. Yeah. And I'm also a consumer, so I see both sides of it. And I'm like, man, like, you know, yeah. like I it's 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 a it's a weird and it's the kind of the first glimpse I got because you would you were always telling me about that. You were like, you know, like when I'd be like, oh like you know, talking about like resources and you know all this type, you know, like just like basic, basic stuff like of how 
one could have a better economy than the other. And you were like, you know, it's like, it's much different than that now. Like how you, you actually, um, you know, you sent me like a little, little quote the other day of like, or not a quote, but just like, you know, like you're talking about how like, um, like a podcaster or a news anchor or a talking head, like, like they, they have this, this value that we've assessed to them that is different in terms like in, in in terms of like like the labor that 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 quote unquote they output you know like like we determine value based on like you know what a, a number of fucking yeah. reasons you know what I mean yeah like, and well I mean, yeah it's, it's, and it can't is, just be like I put in twelve hours so this thing is worth twelve hours of work yeah it's like no. and the, and Mar- and to be fair Marx's Marx's labor theory of value is much more complex than that and the term socially necessary mm-hmm. is means socially necessary so you could do you could do unskilled labor uh that's not socially necessary and it's not really worth shit in marxist concept but but what is valuable in in the marxist labor theory of value is socially necessary yeah yeah that, that that's yeah and then around the turn of the century there's uh end of the 1800s there's uh what they call the marginal revolution, which is simultaneously oh, okay. in uh, in three different countries. I I always root for one guy here because I'm I'm into this Austrian stuff, but I have all three guys here. Who, who we got? I know there was France on there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Simultaneously in England, France, and Austria, uh, William William Stanley Jevons in England. Uh, Leon the Walrus. <laughs> that is so dope. That's my fucking new name. Yeah, no, nah, it is That's your name. That's my new bro. name now. Yeah, Leon Leon Walrus. No, the Walrus. Leon Walrus. And and Carl Menger, who's the father of the Austrian School of Economics, arrived at the cost, uh, the conclusion that the value of a good is not determined by any inherent value of the good or the labor spent producing it. But by the utility in acting, uh, individual scribes to the good. Yeah, that, this this is the thing that that I read as from an you. as an aid of uh, to achieve a desired end. Yes, but yeah, that's the thing. So, that's the thing that I read from you. That was like it, like that. That was something that I, you, I, you know, like you don't like. Of course, it's like it's almost like of course, like of course, it should be that way. But like at the way Marx Marx described it earlier. And how you described it as well, like it's fucked. It's fucked up to say, but in my brain, like both of them fit. No, they. Well, well, I mean, both of them fit because both of them are high level motherfuckers, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they compel a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The one of the one of the examples that Manger used was uh, diamonds. If you find a diamond laying in in the on the ground, Mm -hmm. uh, there's no labor time input. And there's no inherent natural value to it in any way that you could that could justify the value that we ascribe to it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, like, what if that person used the diamond to like cut? You know. Yeah, like, but that's. I mean, that's something? that's a perfectly nice that we've developed. You know. Uh, drills that can use diamonds in a specific way uh-huh. that diamond dust and it helps you cut through certain kinds of things doesn't fucking make it worth $20,000. Do you know what I mean? It's a totally arbitrary yeah, but- aesthetic, uh, uh, subjective 
based off of a preponderance of people finding it, uh, you know, yeah, subjectively no, I, mean, I, I definitely do that too, you know, like, but like at the same time, isn't, isn't that like the hardest object on the planet or something like that? Or, or probably, I mean, I'm sure they have something crazier now, but I mean, for the longest time it was, I mean, it does have like a utility. It has, it has, a, a it has, value, it has right? properties. Like, none of them, none of them make up. For for gold, for for the gold amount of gold value has that it is. gold has a way a, more yeah, way yeah, more yeah, use I, properties yeah, yeah, especially right. in the time that he's writing yeah go in this time too go why are diamonds as valuable as they are they're that well, valuable diamonds aren't even valuable anymore because they said what eighty percent or was it eighty or ninety percent of the diamonds mined are like just like not like you know bling bling grade diamonds it's like shit that they use for industry industrial shit. And that they create man-made diamonds now that are cheaper than mining them. And 80 to 90% of the market is these like B-grade diamonds. So yeah. they're just being bought up. Like the whole shit is turning into like uh, like people who yeah. buy diamonds, who buy diamond chains. Like you're fucking Well, and, and by all, <laughs> in, 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 in all sorts of ways, by people run, running scams with the mines mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. by limiting supply and doing whatever the fuck they're doing. All of it is just contributing to this reality that it's... It's the individual's perception that the good is worth more to them than the money that they're going to spend on it. Yeah, and no, that's yeah. Sub, that's a subjective marginal utility. Well, yeah, it's that, like, that, that there's this there's this much more that I think that that this good is going to benefit me to do what I want to do tomorrow or ten years from now mm-hmm. or twenty years from mm-hmm. now than this money is. Mm-hmm. So I'll trade this money for that. Yeah. And and then there's ra- rational actors participating in that up and down the chain. Yeah, that's that, like that's like when you like take rolled up newspapers and then you put orange peels on them and then you sell them for weed to stupid kids. Yeah, no, they they thought they, they thought that they were buying something. <laughs> that's just called fraud. <laughs> that's a different. That's a different. That's nah, a different. What, yeah. what are you talking about? I didn't do that. I'm just an example. <laughs> I I, de- I definitely did sell a bag of uh, just strawberry tops, <laughs> <laughs> and I crunched them all up, and then I told them it was strawberry something like strawberry fields. Well, they <laughs> they saw they saw value in those. That I mean, was they that was, saw value. That was that was the weed game circa circa nineteen ninety nine two thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's some OG <laughs> shit right there. One two. <laughs> But yeah, so when you as soon as you as soon as you recognize that, then you recognize, um, boom, we are not so so Marx's whole Marx's whole like class war, a lot of it and a lot of his assumptions about economics are based on the idea that capitalist is profiting from the exploitation of the surplus value of of the proletariat's labor. Right. Yeah, yeah, like when you're getting fucking Nike shoes and you're paying, you know, somebody a dollar a day or whatever to fucking make the shoes, it feels like oh, like you. Yeah. So well, but then, like what, like what, like, like, but I mean, economically, like, are you are you against like you know just like maybe a little sidetrack, but are you against that? You know what I mean? Or are you like, I mean, that's it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, then people is getting nah, man. In, in terms of us. It seems that they're getting fucked, but I do remember you were telling me like you you need to see it in terms of where they're from, you know what I mean, or something like that. But like like yeah. like, no, it's only it's only because it's only because you can produce something for that cheap uh-huh. in that place 
that a, some a capitalist would go to that to that place and move production there. Yeah, he's 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 attracted the, to to the fact that it can happen, and, and that, because and, and because that that's basically. It's basically the process by which countries go through development. Mm. And so until peop- until capital goods come to your country and allow labor to to sell itself for higher and higher prices, you're going to sta- you're going to be stagnant. And this is a basic point about I mean the US was 90% subsistence farmers. In 1840, or or I have I have the actual year. I think it was uh, it was 80 percent subsistence farmers in 1800, and by 1840 that number was something like 60 percent. I have the actual numbers here, but yeah, 1800 90 percent, 1840 70 percent. So wait, it's from 90 to 70. Yeah, in 40 years, and so that 20 that 20 percent. Those people are all people who left the farm to engage in uh, prostitution of their labor in Marxist terminology, right? They went to go. What, yeah, well, like, like ex- kind of go expand on that terminology. Like, what, like, what do you mean by that? Prostituting their labor. That's like, what. Like, that's like they're, the, sell, they're selling their. They're selling their labor pussy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Look at yeah, this, yeah. this labor. Pussy oh yeah, yeah. No, Marx work. gets real weird once. Once, yeah. First, first he outrages the. Wait, so Marx is against selling your pussy. Mar- Mar- Marx is about universally prostituting your pussy. <laughs> oh, so he's about just like sell that labor pussy around all the pussy. Yeah, everyone sells it to everyone. That's that's that's. But then it's not worth anything if everyone has everyone's pussy. It's just like, why do I want that, dude? You just figured it out, fucking right there. Boom, <laughs> bullet- 2019, 2020. Yeah, bullet in his fucking heart. Hey, no, but but so how did that process happen? What what is what's the reason? What's the reason that that twenty percent of the population uh, shifted their activities from being uh, dirt farmers to being participants in the industrial economy? And the answer is that wages were higher in terrible working conditions going into the city and, and or into the town and engaging in awful uh backbreaking garbage you're going your family is going to do better than they were doing doing awful backbreaking garbage on your fucking farm where if a fucking bad season comes by your fucking kids are all starving to death and there's nobody around to help you and so that's the process that ev- oh. every place in the world has to go through. And then once everyone's doing backbreaking garbage, then a couple of some people can do like just like middle, like okay garbage. Like not my back's not being broken, but like you know, I mean, I got it, like dude, tired feet. It sounds shitty, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy. No, it's just the, that's the that's the because and 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 the reason why is because Marx's assumption. That the profits that the capitalists are making are, are are being extracted from something that's the value inherent in the labor that's being no, it's not. Go by yourself and go try to just make Levi's <laughs> in motherfucking Nicaragua right now. Yeah. Just go sit. You don't want to do that. Go sit down and fucking just start fucking sewing Levi's by yourself and see if <laughs> see if you can sell them 
for a fucking for a higher price than if you go into then if somebody comes creates the facility fucking gives you the branding gives you the marketing came with the idea is is involved in all the channels of distribution has gone through every level of thinking this thing through the the reason why they're willing to bring their production to you is because they can get this much more but there's a bunch of costs associated with that too. They have to deal with the scumbag government that you have and the mm-hmm. amount of money they're charging to do this and mm-hmm. that. They have to deal with shipping. They have to deal with fucking uh, all sorts of duties going both ways, right? It's not It's not that you're making a fucking $1 shoe and I'm selling it for $99. There's, a lot, there's a lot of fees in between that $1 to that $99. A lot of the lot of, lot of beaks that got to get in, the wet beaks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, whether it's corrupt or not, regardless. It doesn't even corruption doesn't even have to enter into it. It's just it's just that in order for people to view this product, that people people view this product as worth this dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Right? If I could produce this $95 product for mm-hmm. $1 mm-hmm. and have it be sitting in front of my fucking uh customer's house for $1. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is not jumping in the middle of that and trying to fucking that's not fair. Trying to give me give them that $94 product for $50. Right? Yeah, you're right. And then who's not trying to give them that 90 that $50 product for $25? And that's Shaq shoes. Holy that's shit. and that's Shaq Payless shoes. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. No, but and all of those forces are going to drag down prices. Until you reach wait wait wait, but the people who make Shaq shoes, they still get paid a dollar a day, or if they get paid ten cents a day. It all depends on the size of your Vietnam, bro. It all depends on the what year in Vietnam, because <laughs> Vietnam's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, skyscrapers, Bentleys. Yeah, looks like Beverly Hills. I was over there. I was eating fucking escargot, escargot cock. <laughs> Whoa, that's fucking baller, man. Vietnamese snails, it's got to be baller. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I never ate any cock in Venezuela. Or, Wait, what? Or in uh, <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is taking a turn. I like it. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, but getting back to like, you know, how, how, you, how you value somebody's labor. That is a very interesting thing. And very well, and it's very for me. It's like a struggle that I'm dealing with right now with the industry that I'm I'm working with. Is like how well. So well, I mean, if you really are under, if you if you're under the assumption that there's all this economic activity happening, mm-hmm. and the capitalist is exploiting this whole profit margin percentage of it, and if the proletariat goes and replaces the the bourgeoisie class and eliminates that waste. Mm-hmm. Right, which is that capitalist extraction of surplus value, then we will be in a level of more efficient production. It makes sense if you believe in that fucking theory of value. But that's bullshit theory of value. And here's why because the capitalist is carefully constructing the means of production to be most efficient, and they are the capitalist. Because they are the most efficient at managing capital. And so when they get that capital back, when they get those profits that are assumed to be uh, exploitation, they reinvest it 
in things that are more efficient than any central planner or any group of people or any labor union. But I'm saying that's what I'm saying. What if they don't reinvest it? What if they just like buy gold jet skis and snort hella cocaine? Well, this is another this is another uh, uh, way of looking at economic reality that I didn't plan on getting into, which is Keynesianism. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's <coughs> that's John Maynard Keynes' uh, point: mm. is that the wealthy don't reinvest, the wealthy hoard, and the wealthy uh, indulge and. The reality is that if you have a real money, it doesn't matter. If you have a doesn't if, fucking matter. If if we have real money, right? If we don't have fake funny money, <laughs> and some wealthy guy takes every dollar he can and he fucking hides it in his pants and under his pillows. Huh? Sounds like a type of guy I would know. <laughs> hmm. If he did, if he did such fucking unscrupulous thing, <laughs> if he behaved in such in, in such a grotesque manner, uh, he would only benefit everybody else because of the scarcity that uh, their currency would enjoy, right? Because there's uh, a, a limited pool of currency, so all all people now have that increased buying power. What what we're doing with this because people are operating off of that assumption. That the wealthy are going to hoard money and that the poor spend it. We uh, engage in monetary practices that print money, gives it, you know, aims to give it to the lower classes in order to make to make the wealthier wealthy's money like less good, less good for them. (laughs) Are they going to have less houses? No more jet skis. No, it's aiming. It's aiming to that idea is a long ass conversation. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's like inflation and all that. Well, yeah, they shoot for a certain level of inflation in order, and you know, engage in uh, public spending projects uh, aimed at uh, pushing more money to the to the people who you know Keynesians deem Keynesians think will spend it. But all of that. So this is. Well, yeah, ex- that's getting that's getting yeah we we, we got plenty plenty more yeah but that, but that's getting that's- to to exactly what I was saying mm-hmm. before is that the problem with this Marxian understanding of money is that you you don't understand that this capital when it finds its way back into the hands of of the most efficient producer he he doesn't he doesn't have the means of production. Because he was born into the cast of means of production owners, even though in some circumstances that might be true. Mm-hmm. But somebody got the means of production in his family. In the, yeah, in the and, first place. Someone, yeah. someone developed the genes. Someone made the Game Boy. Someone made the latex for the condom. And, and, then, and then the next, the next gamble that that motherfucker makes is going to be more educated than the, than, the, than the dude on the street or than the fucking college student. And so that's that's the uh the role of the entrepreneur. And this is this is where Austrian economics comes in is to explain the the role of the entrepreneur in economic growth, in economic activity. And so you you can't yeah, you will fail and all central planning mm-hmm. will fail because a central planner aims to act in the same manner that a that a entrepreneur does in that he seeks to make investments in 
certain areas that he thinks will be successful, mm-hmm. but he's not punished by his failures aren't punished in the same manner and his successes aren't rewarded in the same manner. So as he, you know, he, he, he's managing 50, 60, 70 of these things. He can't be an expert in any of them and he's not suffering the consequences or enjoying the rewards. So all of the, all of the things that make entrepreneurship, uh, dangerous and also beneficial don't exist in central planning and central planning is necessary for social ownership and the means of production. There has to be some voice that, uh, that dictates what the social concept of, of socially necessary labor is and what, and what this, and and what the direction, uh, what the direction of distribution is going to be. Right. And so, uh, that that third that third way of looking at the world is that there's an, an an infinite number of opportunities available to anybody and all you have to do is figure out the human minds that are on the left and the right of you and figure out what in the fuck they might like mm. that they don't have and what in the fuck somebody else is doing that they're not doing fast enough somebody else is doing that they're not doing smart enough and you figure out a way to fucking scam your way in. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, look at look at Uber and the IPO today. I mean, that company was based on like I saw some little like like notes thing they have from back when you know they were first founded it, and the dude they were just going through companies. They're like, look at taxis. Like, what are the inefficiencies in taxis? Like, and they had these little bullet points or like all these little things. And was, I was like looking at that little note and like that that's really is what it. I mean, especially. You know, now in this in this age of tech, that's really what it is. Like, just you got to find, you know, either, either you got to find something that people never thought they'd want, or there's you can look that through existing industries and just you know make it more efficient. You know, these guys, I mean, are making they made eighty eighty four billion dollars today. You know, eight billion got put right back into the company or whatever. Eighty billion got put right back in. So it's like that. That is that's the part. You know that I I really like about economics and about having more of a you know I mean not more but less of a like that that central planning inside of the economy because because of the factor that like how you how you can now now and especially in this day and age more than ever like you can you can make you can make something out of nothing yeah. You can straight up make something out of nothing yeah. that was never there. That was and, never and, even and the and the reason why it's so fucking easy is because your barrier to the market is so, so much less. Slow, so much less because now. you can fucking sell something halfway yeah. across the fucking world, which is exactly what free traders have been saying the whole yeah. fucking time. And now you can fucking work on your computer, or mm-hmm. now you can do. And it's just literally because of your access to the market. Well, yeah, it's like I see those people on social media like making money off themselves, and it's like. That's that's like the truest sense of of this free market shit. Like they're really just touching fucking minds. They're touching people. Yeah. And being like, follow me, you know. And they they've amassed because that's what that's what the all that shit is really. I mean, well, so we're, we're probably at over an hour now, right? Oh yeah, we're at an hour and forty five seconds. Okay, but dude, I just hit an hour on the dot. Yeah, because I think the forty five seconds was the other stuff that was like, ooh, that was like cool stuff. All right. Well, since 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 we hit an hour, uh, I want I'm, I I just 
I just want to say this is the direction that this is going to go. One direction? The division of labor. <laughs> save it. The division of labor and this cooperation between individual actors who, in Marxist terminology, what capitalists are is, is, is private ownership of the means of production. Mm-hmm. So you, you recognize that people are capable of owning things. Mm-hmm. And that they're capable of making their own decisions. And you engage in voluntary uh, trade and interaction and employment contracts and all variety of economic activity with them. This is the basis for civilization. And what, I, what I'm going to try to push with this concept is that civilization is the basis for people doing cooler shit than what what we associate with civilization as far as art as far as having the having the peace and the opportunity to engage in the higher uh goals of humanity and i'm saying that all of those are dependent on your ability to freely decide who you engage in activities with and you take away property ownership. You take away. Uh, you take away private ownership of the means of production, even. And next thing you know, we have somebody dictating the geist, the spirit of the people. Right. The geist. Yeah. I. I mean, wow. That's a, the geist. Yeah. That's fucking German. You know what that comes. You know what that's followed by. <laughs> Right, gas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rag on Germans and call them all fucking assholes for the next couple of years, and then uh, hey, and I'm also gonna just uh, uh, talk a lot about uh, partying. I'm gonna go down to South America and go uh, knock my brain out my ass, and come back here and tell you guys yeah. about fucking. Maru. They call that a yo-yo. Dress shoes, you can fight it. I ain't running for shit now. The door won't get kicked down. A lawyer can sit down. A fully get your stick in the soil. Rich brown oil beneath the turmoils of myth. Hell only exists in the minds of defeated men. Venezuelan bread lines in your head when they threaten the fed time. In the dread to be threatening the headlines that you could have made.